Welcome to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond podcast. My name is Vignesh Devraj, an Ayurvedic doctor and holistic health coach. Each week we share wisdom or interview an inspiring personality to guide you become your healthiest self. Remember, your health is your greatest asset. If you are interested in doing one-on-one online Ayurvedic consultation with me, please find the details in the show notes of this podcast or do visit www.vigneshdevraj.com If you are interested in learning more about how Ayurveda can support in managing anxiety and associated disorders, I am holding a webinar this coming Sunday which is the 2nd of May 2021 at 3 p.m. of Indian Standard Time. You can find the details of the registration in the show notes of this podcast. In case you are listening to this after the 2nd of May, please check my YouTube channel Vignesh Devraj for the recording. In this episode, we have KT Barlow, a holistic health coach, an IBS specialist and an Ayurveda consultant. Her own healing journey with IBS gave her a deep insight into the benefits of adopting a holistic approach and now she is helping other women who are facing the same difficulties. She will be sharing more insights on how she approaches mental, emotional and nutritional healing together to manage irritable bowel syndrome successfully. Hope you enjoy this podcast and now we go over to Katie Barlow. Hello Katie Barlow. So happy to have you and I am looking forward to learn about IBS because this is one condition that is so common to ayurvedic practitioners doctors and to ayurvedic coaches so finally i'm happy i found someone who has an exclusive coaching program for ibs and i'm really curious to know more about how you deal with them and how you are helping people with ibs how to recover from that so thank you first of all for being a part of my podcast ayurvedic healing and beyond thank you for having me so much and i'm excited to share So Kitty what's the journey behind I'm sure uh, you know you had a self healing that got you into this healing program that you are doing to others so I'm yes. curious to know what's your story in this So it's a continual process of self healing mm-hmm. <laughs> um well my journey with IBS started around 2006 mm-hmm. uh while I was in college and like many people it started with a series of kind of traumatic events in my life um my parents were going through a divorce that was really affecting me i was in college mm-hmm. and quite stressed um i was eating poorly drinking a lot of alcohol mm-hmm. um <laughs> you know just the the normal things that people in college do but with a toxic living situation and feeling a lot of stress from what was going on with my family it was all just kind of a perfect storm um that led to having digestive issues my body just couldn't handle what was happening in my life um so i started having all sorts of ibs related symptoms um i wouldn't go to the bathroom for days that was kind of the biggest one when i did go it was uncomfortable and small mm. i lost a lot of my hair my hair thinned out um i lost weight i wasn't sleeping well i just had so many symptoms and i didn't really have a way to find relief i didn't know how to find relief 
So I got myself out of the living situation I was in, um, changing the environment was mm-hmm. obviously the first big step. And I saw a GI doctor mm-hmm. and that GI and gastro, doctor, gastroenterologist, gastroenterologist, correct. And that was my first step or my second step, I should say. And the GI doctor uh, had me do a colonoscopy, which now thinking about it is kind of silly because of course he found nothing. And then he put me on antidepressants um, mm-hmm. to help relax my colon. And that was help really relax your colon. My, my colon. So your, I would go to the bathroom. I like exactly. that word relax your colon because we are going to come back to that relax. Right. Yeah. So uh, that that's the help that I got. That was, mm-hmm. you know, it was in 2006 and still at that time, gut health was not really a practice term, at mm-hmm. least in my world. Mm-hmm. So I, that really sparked my interest because mm. I had to, you know, be really aware of what I was putting in my body because I continued to have symptoms. Um, from there, I continued on in my twenties with my career. Mm-hmm. And for the next seven years, I had a pretty fast pace, high stress career and jobs. Um, none of the jobs that I have are really supportive of having IBS. Mm-hmm which most aren't right. So people with IBS typically are out of work mm. for two days a month on average. So it really caused a final getting real help with IBS and helping myself. I had to reach another kind of low point um, just like I did when I was in college. And that was about seven years later. And I was in a pretty intense job, moved to Manhattan, was working in midtown Manhattan in a windowless office and, you know, was being rewarded for things like going out for drinks after work and, you know, (laughs) waking up early and um, working late. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was trying to be healthy. I Mm -hmm. had been practicing, you know, quote unquote health for quite some time, whether that was like doing juice cleanses, drinking smoothies, Um, you know, doing all the things that I thought was helping myself waking up and working out, but I was so out of balance and struggling so hard. And my digestive issues were flared up to a degree that just wasn't livable. And I just thought to myself, how am I supposed to sustain this, Mm -hmm. you know, this fast paced life. Um, and I actually ended up getting fired from that job funny enough. Mm -hmm. And it was like this divine intervention that happened. And, you know, I remember the night that I got fired, I was laying in the bath and just like tears coming down my face of relief. Like, Oh, finally I can take care of myself. I don't ever have to go back into this sort of situation. That's so common for most people. They can thrive. Some people can thrive in this fast paced environment and my sensitive body just couldn't. Mm. So, um, at that point is when I just decided I wasn't going to go back to corporate lifestyle. And I headed into, um, getting an education in in nutrition. So Mm -hmm. that was, that was kind of the, the pinnacle point for me. And at that point I went to, I was living in New York and I went to the Institute for integrative nutrition, which is Mm -hmm. where I received my education in health coaching. And then I really looked to cooking. I was really interested in cooking, um, coming from just a background of loving to cook, to understand food and Mm -hmm. what my body was sensitive to. So I ended up uh, at the Natural Gourmet Institute in New York. 
and I cooked under Ayurvedic chefs mm -hmm. and chefs uh, practice Weston A. Price or the mm -hmm. traditional diet. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot that way, uh, really working with food and cooking for others, doing some private shopping and things like that. And, you know, it's been like putting a puzzle together during this time. I've worked with some amazing healers. I have gone through a lot of education. Mm -hmm. And mostly, though, I've had a disciplined self-practice that, you know, has really helped me create a formula for man managing, mm -hmm. not healing or curing, I should say, because you can't cure IBS, but you can properly manage it. And that's what I share with my clients now. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, that's a long journey, but definitely a long uh, journey. It's yes. like the sooner you got into your path, better for you. Yes. Well, just for some context there, most people who have IBS, mm -hmm. it takes them four to six years to get medical attention before uh, when their symptoms, when they get their symptoms before they, they have medical attention. So it's not uncommon that people will have symptoms for a long time. That's, I mean, that's one point that I really want to emphasize because many yeah. patients who come to me, I mean, first time when I ask them, have you ever been diagnosed with IBS or did anyone tell you that, you know, your symptoms are resembling something with IBS and they say no. Okay. So uh, then they later find out they have been diagnosed with IBS and then okay. they go into the details and, and the worst thing that they can do is go to Google to find out what it is. Yes. And yes. then it just adds on to their anxiety and it goes over the yeah. roof and then exactly. uh, all the other issues start up. So, yeah. Katie, so how do we know if somebody is suffering with IBS? What are the clear indications that it is a clear short diagnosis of irritable bowel right. syndrome? Of IBS. So there's a common misconception about IBS that it's a default diagnosis. Mm. So people have any sort of stomach issues, they automatically have IBS. Mm -hmm. Well, there's no actual test yet to determine if you have IBS. I mean, it's you cannot do it with the blood test. You cannot do it with the... Uh, no, yes. you can't. Which I think that will change because so many people have IBS, right? But maybe it won't. Um, so you can be diagnosed with IBS by looking at your symptoms mm -hmm. and then making sure that you eliminate um, any sort of anything, any other uh, diagnoses. We call like, it differential diagnosis. Like if there is something right. else that are uh, that could look like IBS, but it is not IBS. So that could come exactly. and confuse you. So that could be inflammatory bowel disease, celiac, endometriosis. They all have overlapping symptoms of IBS. Mm -hmm. So to get a positive diagnosis, um, a person would see their doctor and their doctor would look at their symptoms. So Katie, how do we diagnose irritable bowel syndrome? Because sometimes people misunderstand uh, what IBS is, it could be overlapping with something else, which is similar to that. So how do we know if someone is suffering with IBS? Yeah. So IBS is often uh, put into the category of like a catch-all diagnosis. So if you have any sort of stomach symptoms, you have IBS. Well, that's not entirely true. While there's no actual lab tests that can be done to diagnose IBS, your GI doctor, your gastroenterologist is going to look at your symptoms mm -hmm. and going to eliminate um, any other diagnosis 
beyond IBS. Mm -hmm. So first your doctor is going to look at stomach pain that's relieved by a bowel movement or stomach pain that's tied to a change in bathroom pattern. So either not going to the bathroom, constipation or urgency and the consistency of the stools. So mm -hmm. if it's dry or loose, if you have either of those one day a week for three months, then you can get a diagnosis of IBS. I see. As we mentioned, most people don't do no, anything this. about their symptoms, get medical attention for four to six years. So typically that three month period is no problem. What any of the listeners will want to make sure if they think they have IBS, if there are any other red flags that can maybe determine other problems such as inflammatory bowel disease, celiac endometriosis, they need to have blood tests or lab work to rule those out. Mm -hmm. So those red flags would be anemia and other abnormal blood tests, blood in the bowel movements, unexplained weight loss, um, fever or vomiting, new onset of symptoms after the age of 50, and then a family history of inflammatory bowel disease, colon cancer, or celiac. Mm -hmm. So if they have any of those symptoms, or I'm sorry, if they have any of those red flags, um, they'll often have symptoms that overlap with IBS, but you want to make sure that those it's red not flags just aren't IBS, which could be something else as well. Yes, exactly. And uh, how do you tell, uh, you know, we always say early detection is one of the best things you can do to help a person with a medical ailment. So yes. what would, what, how would it look like? You know, in Ayurveda, we have this statement in Ashtanga Hridayam called Chayam Eva Jaya Dosham. It's a Sanskrit sloka, which actually means, uh, if you can interpret it in an English code, it will be like, kill the monster when it is little. Yeah. So you don't let it grow big and then you have to have a lot of your energy right. deep with that. So how right. do we know that it is in the initial stages? How will it this show up? Um, it's going to show up through the symptoms. So what symptoms should are, they be aware of? Yeah, like... it's so with IBS, uh, it's not a life-threatening disorder, but it's really going to affect your quality of life. So mm -hmm. if you start having GI symptoms mm -hmm. and non-GI symptoms, um, because it's kind of all related to the gut. So some GI symptoms are going to be bloating, gas, feeling of urgency to go to the bathroom, um, mucus in the stool, and then mm. feeling of an incomplete bowel movement when you do go to the bathroom, and nausea. Those are all symptoms of IBS. And the, then typically, the, when you, yes, please. Those are like the initial symptoms before it manifests in full rampant, or these are the real right, symptoms? Right. Those, those are, I mean, you're going to, if those are the real symptoms, um, I don't think that you your, your stomach issues are going to come up mm -hmm. and they're going to probably, you know, <laughs> catch you by surprise. So I don't think that the, what you can do is take care of your gut, take care of your stress levels, you know, balance yourself out. But usually people don't necessarily do anything to change their habits until something's really, really uh, unbearable. There's no way. Exactly. And once they realize that whatever the pills the modern doctor has given and right. I need to look for another alternative way of getting it better. And that's right. when holistic approaches come into the picture. Yes. 
Exactly. So really it's, there's just mostly holistic approaches that come into the picture when it comes to IBS, um, because I don't think modern science, although we'll talk about the, the diet that mm -hmm. um, science backed along with Ayurveda, modern science hasn't come up with the magic pill, nor because I don't think that there is one mm -hmm. to come up with. You know, it's very complex. It's emotional and physical when you're dealing with IBS. So in my experience, I've seen patients having fluctuating bowel habits. Like sometimes they say that I have loose tools. Yeah. Immediately after I eat, I have this urgency to go to the toilet and they have to run and it's like uh, loose tools. And then sometimes if they have a travel or shift in the food habits or something happens or even change in seasons, suddenly they say, oh, it, uh, I get into a state of constipation where I don't go for like three, four days right. and then it goes so it, this thing keeps fluctuating from yeah. loose tools to mm -hmm. you know, hard, uh, constipated yeah. bowel movements. So this is also that's not, something. That's not the case for everybody, but, but I, some people I do, do have see it. that. I do mm -hmm. see that happening. Like for my case, I am very uh, constipated dominant. So I would be considered IBSC. Or if when we get into Ayurveda, it would be like a Vata type mm -hmm. IBS. Exactly. Whereas the diarrhea that you're talking about would be IBSD, IBS mm. diarrhea, or more like a Pitta type IBS. And the fluctuation between the both is normal and is part of irritable bowel syndrome. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. How you could also bring the doshic element like the Vata and the Pitta. That's fantastic. And tell us more about the anxiety element this is one thing i've seen that is uh, underlying factor in most of the i mean in the all the ibs patients that have come to me i've seen them having anxiety yeah. and when i help them to deal with anxiety and change the food habit that is when they start saying now i'm getting better you know? yeah so so do you think anxiety was something that is the beginning of ibs and then that later led to because of anxiety they got into unhealthy habits then yeah. the self abuse of the gut happened would you so, so anxiety and stress do not cause IBS. It's not mm. a root cause. We don't know mm. what the root causes are mm. of IBS. There are differences in people who have IBS than people who don't, but anxiety and stress exacerbate IBS. Mm. They do not cause it. So like how I went through, you know, during college and how I initially um, got IBS or the, you know, the symptoms came up, I, it was of varying <laughs> different things, which mm -hmm. contributed probably the, the anxiety and stress very much contributed, but it's not necessarily the cause. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about stress and what stress does to the to, gut, exactly. Yeah. It, it plays a really big role in, um, as I said, exacerbating the symptoms of IBS. So when the brain sees an external stress, Mm -hmm. Whether that's you're fighting with your wife or your husband, or you're running from a burglar, it's going to have the, the same, same reaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The sympathetic nervous system is going to turn on um, and the gut turns off. So all that energy from your body that needs to react to the stress takes away from the gut. So there's less blood flow through the mm -hmm. gut. Mm -hmm. um, there's reduced movement of food through the digestive tract. And there's heightened abdominal pain. 
So for all these reasons, it's so important to manage stress when you have IBS because people with stress already have what's considered visceral hypersensitivity in their gut. So they have this um, altered communication between their brain and their gut, Mm. which leads to more pain when they have food or gas in their bowels. So already their, their, their guts are really sensitive. And when you add in the element of stress, you know, when, when the, the digestive tract is not working, then you're going to have some really big issues. So that's really, as, as you mentioned, it's really the first place you want to look when you're talking about helping someone with IBS is what's their stress levels. Mm -hmm. And typically when I start working with a client, they have very high stress. First of all, Mm -hmm. their symptoms are stressing them out, right? Like they don't know what to do. Obviously when they come to get help, they're, they're at a point when they're, they're, you know, they, they need support because it's overwhelming. Um, so that's, that's going to be the first place that we look and I can kind of go through my process. Mm-hmm. That would be fantastic. How I help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first thing I do is help clients to identify the old behaviors and mm-hmm. limiting beliefs that are keeping them from moving forward with their health and that are causing them emotional and physical mm-hmm. stress. Mm-hmm. But what are we going to look back at? I'm going to listen to them and help them kind of understand the patterns that are still showing up today. So what are the messages they receive from their family Mm -hmm. around diet, around health and body image? What are some stressful life experiences that are still coming up, painful relationships, uh, their own body image issues, their Mm -hmm. relationship food. Mm -hmm. So I bring awareness to what they're still holding on to from their past and showing up today. Mm -hmm. And that is going to really help us understand why they keep repeating those same behaviors that are exacerbating their symptoms, whether it's not getting adequate sleep or eating foods they know aren't supportive for their bodies. They keep coming back to those and how can they move out? Mm -hmm. So as soon as we can identify and bring awareness to why these behaviors exist, then they can stop unconsciously doing them and bring in new habits and new behaviors that are actually energizing them and decreasing their stress level. So that's my process. And that's actually when I really love to start bringing in some Ayurvedic rituals Mm -hmm. um, into their daily routines. Mm -hmm. So one of the Ayurvedic rituals that I really love is pranayama, for Mm -hmm. example, alternate nostril breathing. So this can be really beneficial to decrease stress, um, particularly right before someone with IBS eats. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So talking about mealtime, it's such an important time to really focus on, um, you know, getting that parasympathetic and rest and digest mode turned on. So doing a couple of rounds of alternate nostril breathing would really help Mm -hmm. with that. Um, You know, obviously meditation is really big in reducing stress. So, you know, starting a meditation practice, also abhyanga mm-hmm. and giving yourself some self-care um, is another one that I really like to have them start practicing. I think these two methods like pranayama, meditation, oil massage, all this has to do with relaxing your nervous system. So when the relaxed yes. nervous system is relaxed, your digestion just automatically upgrades. Exactly. Itself. Exactly. People have to remember when stress is on, digestion is off. Mm-hmm. 
that's why in ayurveda uh, there is this chapter called atisara which means uh, diarrhea treatment of diarrhea and what are the different types of diarrhea and one of the types of diarrhea mentioned this was like uh, hundreds of years ago and they have mentioned at that time diarrhea due to fear mm. uh, by a, due to fear of uncertainty or something is not going we don't know what's going to happen next and yeah. uh, and even in healthy people sometimes you know when they encounter something really life threatening or some near death experience they also go through such an experience of sometimes they urinate sometimes they have loose stools so right. it's just that uh, it just got a little more consistent in a person with ips yep exactly again there's that hypersensitivity mm-hmm. um people who have ibs so they're going to they're going to tend toward you know having things happen when things exactly. happen to them they're going to mm-hmm. tend toward having diarrhea or constipation because it's going to show up in their digestion mm-hmm. in my experience i mean when a person learns to deal with stress and how they deal with uncertainties better their recovery is phenomenal than mm-hmm. any other mm-hmm. uh, medications that the modern mainstream medicine can give to them when it comes to the irritable bowel syndrome yeah and i think all the rituals that you are suggesting people it is helping them to bring in more groundedness or what we call it as anti vata therapies so you know helping them right. to bring down the yeah. vata inside of them yes mm-hmm. in the vata inside of them is often what's causing exactly. their ibs exactly. in the first place i mm-hmm. mean speaking from personal experience i am vata mm-hmm. and i you know with how the my ibs symptoms originally came up I was all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have any kind of consistency or grounding and so yes, I think that is very very true and with most people that I meet mm-hmm. um they there's a lot of that vata in mm-hmm. them. At least their imbalance is in vata, I should say. Fantastic. I mean, that's a very phenomenal approach to having a holistic approach to this uh concern. So, yeah. Kerry, this is one question you know many times when people get diagnosed with something like ibs one of the thoughts that go inside their mind is oh my god and especially if they go to mrs google to find out it says that it's a incurable disease yes and that has a huge you know uh, that really drains their energy down the moment right. they see that they are diagnosed with something that is incurable it means yeah. you know they feel that something is terribly wrong there's no way going back yeah and then i have to explain to them that's just what the mainstream medicine means you know if they were saying instead of it is incurable if they mentioned according to us it is incurable maybe there is something else you could try you know that would yeah. make a huge difference in the psyche of a patient who's reading that yeah so how do you deal with when people come up with i'm sure you must have i'm sure in your personal journey itself you went through that oh my god this is a incurable disease and then how do you deal with that kind of a, you know fear of missing out i don't know how to call it because yeah. you feel that something is wrong with me i'm a victim and uh, something yeah. terribly wrong with the genetics or predisposition so how do you yeah. deal with such mind chatter well i have to say that um having ibs has been a gift for me in a lot of ways mm-hmm. Yes, IBS is not curable. It is manageable and there are so many things that you can do 
to support yourself. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. If you have IBS and you're willing to take the healing journey, you are going to increase your health 20 million fold Mm. because you're going to be focusing on your gut and you're Mm. going to be focusing on your lifestyle. And it's a holistic whole body approach. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have the tools to help you move forward and have a healthy life. Again, IBS is a functional disorder. It is not life-threatening. So yes, it affects your quality of life significantly, but there's a lot you can do so much you can do to increase your quality of life by just, you know, (laughs) doing your stress reducing behaviors, getting enough sleep, having fiber, um, which we can go into more, yeah. Um, you know, just having, doing the things that are your most basic kind of health oriented behaviors is going to help you. So you can't just slip by like the average person and work until 10 PM, not get enough sleep, you know, drink beer every night, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you have to be conscious of your health, but that's actually really going to help you in the long term, and you're going to have a longer, healthier life. And if you focus on it enough, you're going to manage your symptoms in a way that they're not going to control your life. Oh, that's so and you also get access to healers and amazing people that are going to teach you so much wisdom if you're open to the journey. Oh, this is just fantastic. I just need to clap for this, whatever you mentioned. <laughs> because we, we just had a few episodes back on psoriasis. And she also mentioned something very similar because how this was a gift for her. Yeah. And I feel I also tell people, if you have IBS, it's a sign that you don't have the luxury to live unhealthy even for a bit. Exactly. And, exactly. and they feel that Oh, isn't that, no, it's actually one of the best things. You have to take it as a blessing in disguise. Other yeah. people, they their body can tolerate a lot of self-inflicted yeah. abuse, but your body is very, very having high Sensitive. standards, high standards. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, from an Ayurvedic perspective, when you can strengthen the digestive fire, strengthen mm-hmm. that acne, you can tolerate more. So you're exactly. not going to spend your life where you are right now. There's a future that yes, you'll be able to eat different foods. Your bacteria in your digestive tract is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to put the right bacteria in it or balance it out in the right way, there's going to be a lot of changes that happen and you're going to increase your, <laughs> you know, your, your ability to take on more. Exactly. And I think uh, we just, they just, we just need to educate that there is more to life than just uh, the food pleasures, you know, right. or the gastroenteric, uh, yeah, of course, uh, gastroenterological pleasures are fantastic, but it, there is much more than gastronomic pleasures are much more than that, but there is a lot more in life to enjoy and to be connected. And I think once you realize that, yes. Or get back to that simple eating that, you know, simple foods, like that's, that's all we really need anyway, are really simple foods. So Mm -hmm. you don't need to, you know, think that you're missing out on going out. And once you start eating this way, once you start Mm -hmm. eating sattvic or simple foods, you realize you don't want all that other stuff. It kind of gets thrown out the window. Mm -hmm. Uh, once you know i'm a vegetarian so mm-hmm. whenever i see people uh, and then they ask me so uh, what's your favorite meat or favorite food and i said no sorry i'm a vegetarian and they look at me mm-hmm. like how on earth 
do you live without enjoying this right and uh, for me because i am a vegetarian and uh, i love vegetarian food and you know when you ask a strong vegetarian that you're missing something because you're not eating meat the same thing they are they are thinking how on earth can you manage eating anything eat- that that is right. not vegetarian a greasy pizza or whatever exactly. it is right so exactly. they, they go through different mindsets uh, so we just need to be able to embrace that new shift that right. uh, i am going to enjoy a healthy lifestyle that's the new right. mindset that they need to have so yeah. ibs is a triggering point to wake you up your yes. body and this life is all about living your healthiest rituals healthy routine healthy lifestyle and you have no luxury to be under stress which is actually fantastic it's one of the best things that can happen to a human being it's true i mean i think it for you know anyone who's trying to live with ibs you know like you said you mm-hmm. just have to change your navigation you have exactly. to change your path a little bit i mean i went from having high stress midtown manhattan job in my late 20s to now being a health coach for women with IBS in the comfort of my home, Mm -hmm. you know, and making sure that I have my morning ritual of going Mm -hmm. to the bathroom and I'm eating exactly what I need to eat throughout the day and staying hydrated and moving and all of these things. And I know not everyone has that luxury, but you can make it a priority to change your life how you need to Mm -hmm. in order to support your health so you're not suffering. And I think that, you know, your environment and making sure that your schedule is supportive Mm -hmm. are really important. Fantastic, Katie. uh, I mean, the work that you do is really inspiring. And Katie, uh, in your experience, when people approach you for help recovering from IBS, what would you say are the prerequisites for a good healing? So... You know, we talked about stress. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, the I take a I take a certain method, mm-hmm. and we look at we look at you know what what is happening in their lives, and make sure they get the support that they need, and they feel heard. That's a really big you know first step. Then we're also going to look at their diet, mm-hmm. um, and to decrease that stress you want to make sure that you're helping them with symptom relief from the Mm -hmm. get go. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I do to provide symptom relief is a science backed diet Mm -hmm. uh, called the low FODMAP diet. Mm -hmm. It's actually a process. It's not a diet because it's not something that's long-term, but essentially when they come to me, um, we're going to start working on understanding what, foods are triggering the onset of their IBS symptoms. So again, they can have some symptom relief and their stress goes down and they just feel better about living period. Mm -hmm. So the, the FODMAPs are a set of fermentable carbohydrates. Um, again, that, that when, when eaten by people who have IBS, they're going to cause them to be bloated or, um, have stomach pain. Mm -hmm. So we're going to, what, what happens when uh, someone eats 
these fermentable carbohydrates is that they take them in and into their small intestine and water gets pulled in their small intestine and then they ferment in their large intestine. So these are healthy foods that are Mm -hmm. mostly considered prebiotics. There are things like dates, garlic, leeks, um, cashews, lactose, uh, that's in cow's milk and yogurt, cauliflower, mushrooms, celery. So all really healthy foods. And we're going to take those out for a period of time Mm -hmm. so that they have, um, they feel better. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to reintroduce them by one subgroup of FODMAP at a time, uh, through a certain process. And so that is, that's sort of like the initial, okay, this is, this is how we, this is how we help you you know, overcome some of your symptoms. And then we can look at the bigger picture from there. And mm-hmm. so after that, we're going to look at, or through this process, I should say, we're going to look at the fiber, mm-hmm. which is for anyone who has IBS fiber is you need to pay so much attention to your fiber intake. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have at least 25 to 30 grams of fiber per day. Mm-hmm. It's going to help you if you're constipated, it's going to form like a gel like substance mm-hmm. uh, in your digestion, if you're constipated, or it's going to help you if you have diarrhea. Mm. So I recommend eating foods like flax seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds, uh, supplementing with fiber. Mm-hmm. So anyone who has diarrhea, usually we supplement with like psyllium husk. Um, if someone has a little bit more of a sensitive digestion and they're constipated, there's something called hydrolyzed guar gum or mm-hmm. sun fiber, which mm-hmm. I find to be really beneficial. So that, that fiber intake along with the diet is really, is really key. And then typically people who have IBS also have decreased enzyme production and mm-hmm. stomach acid. Mm-hmm. So that's another level that we'll look at is, you know, just making sure that they're eating foods and taking supplements to help with their uh, increase their digestive enzymes. So something like that would be taking actual pills for digestive enzymes. You can, uh, one, one recommendation that I like that's comes from an Ayurvedic background is having a thin slice of ginger with lime and salts mm-hmm. and chewing that before a meal. And that increases your own digestive enzymes. It's going to communicate to the brain that, um, turn those on. Mm-hmm. And then apple cider vinegar is a great one, uh, to drink in some water before you eat to increase your stomach acid or anything pickled or sour. So we're going to, that's kind of a short explanation. The initial diet looks like to help anyone who has IBS just relieve their symptoms and help them feel better from the get go before we expand into something lifelong. Mm. Uh, To all the listeners, please do this with a proper support and make sure you are uh, given the right uh, guidance in this. Uh, At the same time, all the information that we are sharing right now, this is for your own knowledge that there is a way to recover and also to help you manage. It's just just to put seeds in people's head that we do have a possibility to manage it way better. So thank you, Katie, for sharing all these wonderful methods that you are helping people with. So how do people reach out to you and understand that Uh, so that they can also be a part of your coaching program. 
So they can reach out to me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, my Instagram is called Poop Coach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so That's a fantastic name. <laughs> yes. Um, and then they can reach out to me on my website, which is katiewellness.coach. Mm -hmm. And yes. Go ahead. Uh, one question. If you knew all this in your younger days, yeah. how would it change? You know, I, I can't say for sure that I would because mm -hmm. it's my path. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's been a lot of times of struggle. I wish that I could look back at my early and mid twenties and been like, stop eating all these cold and raw foods mm -hmm. and, you know, take some time to nourish yourself and stop living off of coffee and all of these things that are really simple. But if I didn't do those, I wouldn't have the lessons mm -hmm. that I'm here with today to share with other people. I mean, you know, we read that when people diagnosing with irritable bowel syndrome, they have to go through that five to six years of waiting period to understand. Yeah. Now, we live in a world where early detection is something that is what makes our 21st century humanity someone way ahead than what the history has been. So uh, what can we do to bring down that five to six years of waiting period and then going through that emotional roller coaster and coming out of that? Um, of course, you can go see your GI doctor, mm -hmm. but also know that, yes, you can get a positive diagnosis. You want to make sure that you, if you have any of those red flags, that you don't have anything else going on, like endometriosis, um, celiac, anything like that. You want to count those off in the beginning. And then, you know, there's, there's a lot of resources out there. Um, of course, it's part of the stress reduction is being heard and getting mm. support. So I think it's really valid. An acupuncturist, a chini saying healer. Mm -hmm. um, I've you know, gone through panchakarmas mm -hmm. and just being explorative with how you support yourself. You're going to start your journey. So if you want to work with the dietitian, if you instead want to start taking baby steps, mm -hmm. I would say that, you know, learn who is in your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Who can you reach out to? Who is providing tutorials on belly massages or, you know, who can help you? Um, there are so many avenues to take and it's really about just feeling supported. Um, and you can do a lot for yourself. Movement is so huge. Fiber is huge. As I mentioned, making sure you're getting enough water and paying attention also to what's holding you back. As I talked about the emotional aspect, mm -hmm. why are you still doing the things that are exacerbating your symptoms? Mm -hmm. How can you move out of that mode and paying attention to what you're still doing that's causing you stress and replace those with some energizing um, activities? Mm -hmm. That's, uh, I mean, these are the foundations, I think, not just for IBS, so many of the chronic irreversible mm -hmm. ailments that are right. labeled in the mainstream medicine, I guess, especially with uh, many of the chronic inflammatory gut disorders too. You know, this, right. uh, I think this approach could be the protocol to a great extent, I feel. Yes. Well, and that's why I've loved learning about Ayurveda so much because there's a subtleness to mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, okay, 
yes, I am taking the low FODMAP diet and I'm doing these things that are like very science-based and they are proven to help. Mm -hmm. But when I expand the diet of someone who has IBS, after we go through that protocol, I look to Ayurveda and I look at what their digestive imbalances. And typically that's in Vata or Pitta. And we're going to take measures that are supportive of their digestive imbalance. Balance, yes. And that's going to look like a diet that's lifelong and, you know, doing things to support themselves that are lifelong. They're not just a quick fix. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Katie. Is there anything we missed that you wanted to share with the people who are listening to this episode of IBS? Yeah. Um, anything I shared, you know, has been is my own approach. And so just, you know, also thinking about developing your approach and what is going to work for you. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of opinions out there and your body is unique to yourself. So just finding the people who you connect with, who can help you, mm -hmm. your support system, that's going to be so important in your healing journey. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I think we all should be more open to good information about holistic healing and integrative mm -hmm. medicine, nutritional diets that will help you to uplift your energies and also how to keep up with good emotional health. And I think with COVID, yeah. emotional health is going to be the next big thing that we all have to collectively look into and help each other. And yes. I think Ayurveda integrative medicine, holistic healing, meditation, pranayama, yoga, all of this, you know, yeah. this is going to be the future when it comes to such kind of ailments. I hope so. I think the more people are aware because mm -hmm. they have these digestive ailments, the more they're going to turn to this, you know, more holistic approach because they're not getting the answers that they need from Western medicine or mm -hmm. taking a pill. It just doesn't work like that. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Katie. It was really wonderful uh, sharing such insightful wisdoms, you know, helping people. Uh, you're doing a fantastic, inspiring job. Keep it up. Thank you so much. It was lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond. If you loved and enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe, share and review us. This helps to spread our mission of guiding humanity to becoming their healthiest self and also giving the right resources for holistic healing. If you wish to know more about my work, please do visit www.vigneshdevraj.com. And if you are interested in doing an Ayurveda treatment or authentic Panchakarma therapy, please log on to www.sitaramretreat.com.